has your Bible this morning? Raise it up. Raise that Bible up. That's a good sight right there. I love to see those Bibles. I want you to take them this morning and open them up to the book of Psalm, chapter 73. It's where our lesson will be taken from this morning. And again, we're thankful for the men who lead in our worship. Brother Larry, leading our singing and prayer, Brother Jason, and scripture reading, Brother Dale. And we're so thankful for these men who help. There's so much that goes on behind the scenes to make worship possible. And we're so thankful that we have these men who are willing to be able to do those things. In the book of Psalm, in chapter 73... We see a psalm, one of twelve, written by the king Asaph. A close relationship, some say, with David. He was a musical person. And he's a writer of at least twelve of the psalms. And in Psalm 73, this man, Asaph, is experiencing a problem. And that problem that Asaph is experiencing is a crisis of faith. This man wants to abandon following God and devote himself to worldly living. Asaph has moved to a point in his faith in God to basically say, What's the point? What's the point in continuing to serve God? One might ask the question, why would he even contemplate doing that? And the answer might just be because he's frustrated. He's frustrated with the prosperity of the wicked of the world. The blessings that came to to the wicked and that have become a stumbling block for Asaph's life. You ever just thought, why is it that the wicked prosper? Why is it that those people who are of the world and who who are involved in things that they should not be involved with, and even in the Lord's church, those who are not truly faithful, why are they why are they prospering? 
And why do the righteous suffer? You know, that's something that Asaph wanted to know. And that's something that we often want to know. And we want to know today. It puzzles me from time to time. I know of many instances in my own personal life and in the brotherhood where great faithful gospel preachers and even great faithful church members have accidents who cripple them for life or contact a disease that is detrimental and they'll eventually die. And every time that I see that, and, and, and it's, been, it's been recently, it puzzles me that faithful people have to suffer with those things. It puzzles me that the man they call Hugh Hefner, the creator of the Playboy magazine and the mansion and, and, and all the sinless things that he has put out and sponsored and done, lives better, or did live, better as a king to the 91 years. Other men and women who are evil, living into their 80s and, and, and some 100. And then there's God's people. The faithful person that, that, will, that, that loves God and, 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 and attends every service, even when they don't feel like it who has devoted their life to, to the, the work of God, has to deal with the things such as diseases and accidents. And see, this is what this man Asaph wants to know. He wants to know that. Because he's frustrated with those who are living in prosperity that are wicked. And that became a stumbling block for him. In Psalm 73, in verses 1 through 14, Asaph starts out that God is good. Truly, he says... Surely I know without a fact that God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. He acknowledges the goodness of God. And he announces how God blesses and takes care of his people there in verse 1. Back in the book of Psalms in chapter 34, 
The Bible reads to us there in, in verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. You go a few pages over to chapter 69. And in verse 16, the Bible reads and says, Hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness is good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. And we can go on through the book of Psalms and find and track that word that God that concept that God is good. In Psalm 86 and verse 5, Lord art good, for thou, O Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto them that call upon thee. Over and over and over we hear that God is good. But this man Asaph was envious of the prosperity of the wicked. Now read with me. There uh, in 73, in verses 2 and 3. Notice closely what it says. But as for me, he says, as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish or the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You see, Asaph was saying, and we even say today that those wicked, not faithful people, they seem to get the most uh, of the breaks in life. While the faithful person struggles, the righteous struggle. They make most of the money. They get the better jobs. They, they have the better houses, the better vehicles. They have the better uh, toys. And, and they have all these things. And, and here I am. I'm doing everything I can to be faithful to the Lord and serving Him. And, and I'm just living a normal, normal, ordinary life. But all of these wicked people, they're prospering. He goes on in verses 4 and 5. He says, For there are no bands or pangs in their death, but their, their, their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. The wicked, what that's saying is, have no pains in death. They're not weak, they're fat from their wealth. And he goes on in verses 6 and 7. 
He says, therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain or a necklace. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish for. Basically saying they're full of pride. Violence and wicked thoughts. Verse 8, they're corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. There's that pride and violence in those wicked thoughts. They oppress the less fortunate and blaspheme God. Some don't even believe there is a God. And Asaph says they're still prosperous. They still live a fat life. They still live, they're very wealthy, they're very blessed. Uh, they have houses on every corner. He said they think wicked things constantly. You see, the prosperity. In verses 12 and 13, it says, The prosperity of men who don't know God caused Asaph to wonder if he was serving God in vain. Verses 12 and 13. He said, Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world, always at ease. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. They seem to have better lives than those of us who serve God. You see, Asaph here in this passage was tormented. He was tormented by this. You ever found yourself feeling that way? I have. Here he is, a person that's faithful to God, who has devoted their life to God. Uh, again, when you think of that, you think about a person who is sitting in these pews every time these doors are open. They're studying their Bible. They're give, they've devoted their whole life to God. That's a faithful person. And that person looks and says, I barely can pay my bills. My family has experienced this and, and that, and, and, and I, I can't even, I'm just one breakdown of, a, of, a, of my car till, till I'm, my savings are, are gone. But these wicked people have all of this stuff. He was tormented. With that thought. But in verses 15 through 28, to the end of the chapter, Asaph makes a discovery. 
He says, if I say, I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against a generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I there, T-H-E-I-R, their end. Asaph says it was until I, not until I went into the sanctuary to the God, of the worship of God, that I did not understand truly the latter end of those wicked people. Fifteen through seventeen, Asaph realized the terrible judgment that awaits the wicked in the sanctuary of God. You see, this morning. We should long, we should beg, we should go to every extent possible to be in the presence of God when God's people meet. Asaph says, it wasn't until I went into the sanctuary of God. You see, we should appreciate being here this morning. Being able to come together. You see, when he went into the house of worship, he saw the truth of the matter. You see, we come together simply, number one, to worship God and to study his word. And we come together and we do those things, it helps us keep our head on straight. There's a purpose for being here. Without it, I can't keep my head on straight. And there's not a person alive that can. It helps us to understand a self problem. Secondly, when you go on and read 18 through 23, it says to us, Surely thou didst, didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? 
They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I, and ignorant I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, Asaph says, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Asaph's discovery was that he needed to be in the presence of God's people. He needed to be in worship, and it helped him realize those things. Secondly, earthly riches. Hear me, young people. Earthly riches do not provide spiritual security. These things of the world, all of the wealth, all of the toys, all of the things that you see do not and will not ever provide for spiritual security. The Bible says that we could have it all and lose our soul. These treasures down here on this earth do us no good when we stand before the Lord one day in judgment. In the book of Luke, in chapter 12, speaks to that point. In Luke chapter 12, in verses 20 and 21, Speaking here concerning a parable of a certain rich man. He had been blessed. He says, I have no room for all the things that I've gathered. He says, I, instead of using it to the glory of God, he said, I'll just pull down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And I'll say to my soul, sit back, take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But notice what the Lord says in verse 20 and 21. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and not and is not rich toward God. Who does not have spiritual security? Does not have the blood of Christ? Does not have the relationship with God's people? Who have devoted their life to Christ and to God? 
earthly riches down here do not create spiritual security. If you flip back in the book of Matthew in chapter 6, in verses 19 through 21, a very familiar passage to you. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for your, uh, yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Notice this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. To where you put your most emphasis, that's where your treasure will be. If it's on those material things, that's where your heart's going to be. Nothing wrong with being blessed and having things. But it's what we let them do for us or do against us. Thirdly, Asaph realized in verses 24 through 28 at the end of the chapter, he realizes it's much better to be a faithful servant of God. That's what I want you to realize this morning. He says that God's going to guide me with his counsel. Verse 25, whom I have in heaven, but, but uh, thee, and there upon earth I, I desire beside thee. My flesh, my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they are, are far from, the, uh, they shall, from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. But it's good for me to draw near to God. Notice what he realizes. I've put my trust in the Lord, he says. God, that I may declare all thy works. Asaph realizes that it's much better to be a servant of God than to be the richest of the world. He makes that assumption. He makes that realization. Only those who serve the Lord. Hear this. Only those who serve the Lord faithfully get to experience goodness and refuge with God in eternity. That's the rest of the story. Folks who put treasures and, and, and emphasis on things of this world, they're spiritually bankrupt. They have no assurance. Jesus still says today that there's no security in those treasures. And in the latter part of this lesson, Asaph finally saw the value of serving the Lord. Those who serve the Lord faithfully will not experience the wrath of God and his severe punishment that we talked about two weeks ago on Sunday night. 
But you know the thing this morning? Ultimately, we're all together down here. The wicked and the righteous. The rich and the not so rich with worldly things. But ultimately, there's going to be a great separation. This morning I ask you, are you on a path to receive eternal security with God? Do you have financial security down here with all the things? If you do, that's, that's okay. But are you trusting only in those things? Or you do you have eternal security with God when it comes to living eternally on the other side of this life? You see, that's the question. A world where the wicked prosper those people never experience or will never unless changed they'll never experience the glory of God but those who are faithful and who are righteous will experience the glory of God and that eternal refuge. Let us not ever look at people and say, man, they've got it all when they don't even know God. Because you know what? Those of us who know God and who are truly faithful to him, we know God. We have eternal security. That's something to be had. And this morning, maybe you don't have that, and you need to get it. Through baptism for the remission of your sins and be added to the Lord's church, or through simple confession and repentance, and let us pray for you and with you. Whatever your need may be, please come. Together we stand as we sing.